Thank you. Thank you so, Thank so, you much. so much. Thank you. Love you, Amber. Of course. Bye, y'all. Such a blast. You guys continue on. See you Thank tonight you. for the live Instagram. Mm. Hashtag why lives on bitches. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I want why lives on bitches to be the new yeah. hashtag. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of That Episode Was. I'm Lisa K. Weber, your host of the day. Joining me, as always, are the usual suspects, Kelly Sue Milano. Justin Penniston. Hello. Claire Thorne. Hello, Lisa K. Weber. And Philip Kelly. Howdy. Howdy. <laughs> so you may be asking, what makes this episode of that episode was so very special? Well, regular listeners know that for the past month, we've been doing weekly discussions of FX on Hulu's Why the Last Man. So we are beyond thrilled to have with us on the podcast today, Why the Last Man's showrunner, Eliza Clark. Hello. And two, oh, hello. Hi. No, go hi, ahead and say hi. 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 I meant to pause. <laughs> no, listen, I'll jump right in. Hello, it's me. <laughs> um, and two of its dynamite stars, Ashley Romans, giver of life to Agent 355. Hi. Hello, hello. And Amber Tamblin, who brings the agony and the ecstasy to the character of Kimberly Campbell Cunningham. Hi, y'all. <laughs> Welcome, and thank you so much for joining us today. We are huge fans. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Very happy to be here. <laughs> um, so I want to start off our discussion um, addressing yesterday's news that um, FX has decided to not renew Y for a second season, which was disappointing to say the least. But um, I was encouraged because there seemed to be like a kind of an instant outpouring of love on the internet for it um, and people wanting to see more. And I was really heartened to see how certain you were that the story was going to continue and why was going to find a new home. Um, so I just kind of want to open up this discussion with you guys about like your thoughts on the future of the show and anything that we can do, anything that listeners can do as fans to keep why going. So, so sorry, it's Eli. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a huge bummer, but, you know, just to give a little context, COVID uh, pushed our show a bunch of times. Um, and just in the bureaucracy of television, there are a lot of deals that get made and then they have expiry dates, expiration dates expiry i'm like british <laughs> anyway very british yeah very british they have expiration dates um and you know so fx was forced into making a decision without a ton of data um and you know i think they love the show they love it creatively i've pitched them a second season that they are psyched about i think they would have loved to have had more time um, and I feel super confident that we will find a new home for the show because it is really good. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we love it. We have an incredibly committed group of people making it. Um, and the last three episodes in particular are pretty yeah. e epic. So yeah, we are very, we're, we, yeah. we feel pretty confident. I mean, you know, it's a, it, it was an unfortunate decision that they were forced into by a global pandemic, essentially. Um, and exactly. uh, yeah. yeah, 
and we're gonna we're gonna roll with it because we are I don't know what we are, but we're great. <laughs> no, it's true. Like the commitment that you all show to like the product here is very, very um clear to see. And um yeah. I mean well, I think I know we've only just watched the first of the last three episodes last night, episode eight, and holy shit. Just yeah. Well, I, I feel think extra it's... alive after that. <laughs> Good. I think as like geeky fans, because you know, we're we're in genre here and all of us on the podcast have so much experience with shows that were cut off <laughs> like long before they needed to be cut, should have been cut off. So yeah, we, we sit in that space of like, okay, we, we know how to do this. We've, we've got, you know, the social media uh, toolkit for reviving things that need to be on, you know, need to move yeah, on. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ashley, did you have something you wanted to add? Um, <laughs> yeah, just to speak to what Eli said, it's almost like, yeah, we were bummed when we got the news for a second, but there's this instant knowing that we're not done saying what we have to say. And there's so much left to say. And um, this show has, I think is a real testament to the strength and the spirit of the show that it's already gone through so many layers just to get here. And yes. it's like the perfect storm needs to keep a brewing. Otherwise, <laughs> like, what are you really weathering? So the spirit of all of us is like, I, I just felt so overwhelmed and so grateful to have had the experience I had with these people. And uh, that's honestly, that's where my spirit is. The show's too special to not keep going, so. Well, it, yeah. it's, it's such Great. an ambitious show because uh, you have so many different types of characters spread out uh, so many different places that you're trying to tackle all at once. And it, I mean, it's uh, wonderful how you, you're all pulling it off. Like uh, speaking to the two characters, uh, Amber and Ashley, that you play, um, very different style of storytelling for each uh, in, in how we're being introduced and told the story of the characters. Uh, Amber KCC is like, everything is out there in the open. We know who she is. We know what she wants. Everything's on her sleeve, you know, it's uh, and we're following that progression. Whereas 355, we're incrementally learning about who she is and what's driving her and what the, those traumas are. And I'm curious, uh, how, you know, uh, either of you can answer, uh, uh, Eli, you can answer how you're managing to juggle all this and keep this all sort of, uh, this sort of ambitious scope, uh, coherent um, and, and easy to follow. Because uh, it's a lot, <laughs> like it, it is a lot and yeah. I love that you guys call Kimberly KCC. That's the funniest thing <laughs> oh, ever. Well, oh, yeah. You know, um, I, I noticed kind of early on, I was like, those sure are three hard K sounds. <laughs> I was like, that's gotta be intentional. They picked, you know, the daughter of the Republican and gave her the initials. Kuh, kuh, kuh. I was like, damn. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I mean, you know. It is alliterative. As, yes, it is. As the, as, as the black guy on the show, I was, I was like, did y'all hear what they did? <laughs> Uh, to answer your to answer your question, and I, I can sort of start, and then these guys can jump in. But I, I, you know, to me, the the show and the book, like it's an ensemble, and we are so um, 
And even when I was reading the book, to me, like it always felt like an ensemble. And if there was a protagonist, it was 355. And so I don't, you know, that's how I read the book. And uh, that's, I think that the position that the show takes. Um, and, you know, I wanted to explore uh, a breadth of experience of what it would be like to be a survivor of this Y chromosomal plague. Um, and, you know, I wanted to get, you know, K KCC. KCC mm -hmm. is a character who I have immense empathy for in spite of the fact that that's not a person that I would necessarily befriend in my life. Um, men, much of that has to do with the way that Amber is portraying her. Um, you know, there's a lot of press given to like Amber saying that she was inspired by the Joker or whatever, but a lot of people have not talked or I've sort of like not dug deeper into the fact that she, you know, also watched like hours of footage of mothers talking about children they'd lost in school shootings. Like, you know, this is a woman who has been through immense grief and is, you know, it, it's really interesting. I mean, like the way that she's portrayed, um, you know, you're, we're talking about grief at least in the beginning and you're seeing all these different people dealing with it and you don't see Kimberly find her children you don't see her the morning of and in part because I think her story is for the course of the season about the way in which she's pushing it down and like and it's like hardening into stone and becoming something that is dangerous within her um but all the while I think hopefully you feel for this woman and the immense loss that she's had uh I don't know anyway that's I uh, that wasn't a real answer to your question but I'll talk about KCC all day, all day long. <laughs> do you want to talk about her Amber <laughs> oh do I um yes KCC I feel like I need to get like a giant necklace with a lot of jewel like jewels on it and <laughs> embossed across yeah. my chest and just wear that forever um but no, I, I really agree with Eli. I think that one of the great parts of this show too, and I'm sure Ashley would agree as well, is, is it was such a collaborative experience. And, you know, to my mind, I haven't really worked with a lot of showrunners um, who were so open to ideas and collaboration and, you know, and, and us, it's kind of like a, the old um, theater idea, you know, when you're doing live theater is like the best idea wins. And I love that. And I, I feel like that's who Eli is. She's also a playwright, obviously a brilliant one. So she understands that, um, that there, that this was like a collaboration to find the most authentic, most empathetic versions of these creatures and these women and these men that were, um, whether they're villains or whether they're protagonists or, or, or whether, however they are presenting in the show. And I think Kimberly was a, a really great, um, example of that and I think part of the brilliance of it is that you know people are very conflicted about how much they love her that's confusing um, because they don't love someone like this usually in real life at least most of the people that have been talking about that um, and I think that that is the that is the true mark of the genius that is the, that's the writing and especially I mean when you see where Kimberly you've seen where she's gone but you guys have no idea what Eli made me do in nine and ten <laughs> And especially 10. Um, <laughs> wow. I think you think it's you so have exciting. 
I think you think you know, but I think you don't. And I just want to say that now that that it's it's intense and yeah. phenomenal, and it takes the idea of that bracelet, Mama Bear, to like a whole other level, um, and opens a really big scary door. So that's even more why I'm so excited for you know, wherever the show lands, because I know it's going to just based on all they have to do is hear Eli's pitch. Honestly, I've been, I've been in this business too damn long. I know, I know how this is going to go. They're going to hear it and be like, you know, give it to me. Oh my God. Yes. Maybe we can hear it off, off the record. <laughs> I, I was really struck with her, with KCC's arc, because at first, you know, it felt very much like, you know, we're not seeing her mourn, you know, and, and it's like, at first I was like, I don't have a whole lot of empathy for her. And then pivotal scene where she drops her purse and all the crayons and Legos and stuff fall out. And I was like, holy shit, that hurts. And then, you know, I really started to feel it, but I still was struck by, you know, but we don't see her, you know, she is so tightly wound and she is, you know, she's keeping it together and it, clearly she's going to crack. And I did not see her mom's suicide coming. Didn't see it coming at all. And it really strikes me that the moment she loses it is not when she loses one of the men or one of the boys in her life, her dad, her husband, her kids. It's when she loses the only woman in her family that we know of, you know? Oh, that's, that's a great point. That's, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and she's also, and that's when she becomes untethered and just, you know, gives that freaking aching rage scream at the end. And man man and yeah I, we we that was so brilliantly directed to by um lauren um my gosh Wolfstein. Eli, help me lauren Wolfstein. Wolfstein. yeah yeah she's just a phenomenal director and you know we did that shot i think three times um which was really hard and it took a lot of prep physical psychological emotional preparation i had to i literally talked to my body before i did it and after i did it i looked I look like a crazy person walking back to my car at like 1 a.m. after we shot it because I was just talking to my body as if it was a, another person. But um, but I think that's also just like, you know, the actors in this show are willing to go there. I mean, we, we're, we're willing to go to the hard places to make it as authentic as possible so that it comes through on the screen. So when you're seeing everyone, you know, adapt this the, the the emotional space that they do and go as deep as they do um for any of the characters and what you're going to see in the next two episodes too it you know that that is a value of the kind of set that eli created and the kind of atmosphere in which people felt really safe to do really dangerous things well and i think that bounces back over to 355 because the last episode we see her in that physical like there there's so much like we we meet 355 and she's this very capable together you know able clearly able to keep herself together in these like long-term um undercover you know assignments and then but we're immediately like that's immediately subverted for us because we start to see that oh there you know now that she's out doing things on her own things are starting to crumble and we talked quite a bit about just like the, the facial acting in the scenes with Dr. Mann in the, in the prison was just like, it was so good. freaking riveting. Yeah, sure. um, and there's so much physicality going on there. And I'm not talking about like the badass kicking your butt kinds of things. I'm talking about just conversational, like physical acting in that is so great. 
Thank you. There was no question there, but anyway. (laughs) In the the writer's room, I want Ashley to talk about this, but in the writer's room, we literally will talk about um, how amazing Ashley's (laughs) like silent acting work is that we'll like, we'll like, like a a big, you know, we've been working on season two. We have, you know, I've, I've written an outline for the first episode and much of it, you know, hinges on these moments of Ashley's mask slipping, like the sort, you know, who she, how she's able to sort of be five different people with the people in the room. Mm. You yeah. are a good actor. Oh. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I think, um, well, yeah, the, the writing the community on this show has really elevated my game and re- elevated the people's, my colleagues' games. And it's really cool to see. Okay, first of all, I need to speak to KCC. Just did. <laughs> I am embarrassed to say I did not notice that. Like, I knew it intuitively that the alliteration made me not like her for some reason. <laughs> but I did not know it until you said it. I'm like, oh, that's why. Anyway, brilliant. Good catch, buddy. <laughs> um, and I think, too, what attracted me to this show and this role, specifically as such a heavy ensemble show, is it felt like the same person living their lives in different people's bodies but like we could all 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 these characters could in some way be the same person same circumstances and how they deal with it is just different but um you're getting just the vastness of the human experience which i think is really beautiful um i mean agent 355 and kimberly are both orphans all right so like we're all everyone's kind of an orphan and I think that's really beautiful about the same, everyone's experiencing the same thing. And uh, to speak to your other point um, about acting in that scene with Diana Bang, she's so playful and I just love working (laughs) with her. I never know what she's gonna do moment to moment. It's really, when you have good material like that, it just feels like play. Those, the How chemistry between, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm so happy that this was brought up. Because I was like, I don't know if I want to bring it up and be reading into something that's not there. Oh my god, that was no, really we're shippers. There. We're, we're there. Oh, yeah, it's we're there. there. <laughs> Their banter is just that moment was gorgeous. Stick with us. You guys, how? But you guys, how about the chemistry between? Um, 355 and Kimberly when Kimberly like oh my god like I'm just curious to know like if that's also a thing that you guys feel or like if it's just them well I will say I will say because I used to I I mean you can see I got this going on and I used to rock really long dreads and I was a bartender for a lot of years and many a midwestern white woman wanted to touch my hair many 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 and i mean i'm not gonna i'm not I, you know look i'm working for tips so i was like go ahead girl you know i mean it was you know, it was, you know but but that scene that scene yeah that i felt some kind of way about that scene that was a real that was a real I did. I, I actually asked Ashley, I was like, is it cool if I do this? And she was like, you're nuts. Do it. I love it. <laughs> um, but that's actually like a very KCC. That's a very Kimberly thing that I like all throughout the first ones. I was like, I want to be able to touch 
as many people without asking as possible in the first several episodes because I feel like that's who she is like just not not just no boundaries that's what that moment that great moment between uh Amber and Diane or Jennifer and Kimberly in the uh by the memorial wall where Kimberly takes her hand and then like takes it closer and then is like kind of gripping it. <laughs> Diane was like so uncomfortable. It was so it was cringy. So awesome. It's so I cringe. It so so cringe. The female yeah. version of a Trump handshake. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. Like, I can't control this. It's the right best now. kind of cringe because it's like, <laughs> I mean, I say it all the time when we talk about the show that like to me, the um, like the villainy that we're seeing so far in like um it's like especially in dc is delicious totally like i just mm. i i just want to like gorge on all the little <laughs> details and like because and like we were saying earlier that it's like this character is is very is very sympathetic to me um casey sees is mm. um and so it's like yeah to balance the like sympathy arc with like the villainy arc. I love that shit. And well, I think one thing that got me too about the immediate sympathy I had was this one shot when the, I think the first episode when the kids fall asleep with Marla at the party. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Louise Freeberg, I think she directed that. Yeah, that was her episode. And I just think that was the most gorgeous shot. Immediately I realized, oh, this is what this woman is losing. I don't know yeah. how you can't see the the humanity yeah. in that. And that was that was such a great moment too because those kids really did fall asleep because it was a late <laughs> shoot. And and that was not planned. Maybe that was in the script. I don't remember. Maybe it was. No, I don't think I, I think they were maybe with you. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, but I just remember Louise being like, let's get that. She like got, you know, even the little moments like getting the little cake and stuff that give you this very sad beginning of this woman who's about to literally lose absolutely everything so you know it's quite an intense place to start i'd love for you guys to just maybe tell amber a little bit about how you talked about motherhood in the last um oh yeah episode i think that uh and i listen to a lot of why the last man podcast because <laughs> whatever anyway i don't want to talk about it but I do. <laughs> um, and they uh and I don't know that I listen to any other ones that have women on them. Wow. wow. Interesting. That's insane. That is insane. What yeah. the? It's yeah. very insane. No. Anyway. I wish okay. I could be surprised by that. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah, our last, uh, the last episode that we did um, obviously was the last episode that aired when uh, Marla Campbell jumped ship. Mm -hmm. And um, we were discussing how it was such a powerful episode for me. Um, I'm a new mom. I have a two and a half year old boy. I actually had to wear this bracelet my mom got me like last year that says boy mom. <laughs> I never <laughs> wear it. <laughs> but I had Perfect. to wear it for this. Um, and I was just talking about how much I appreciate the way that the show handles um, the, the aspects and the experiences of being a mom that don't get talked about and how there are so many expectations you have of what the experience of being a mom is going to be like when you become a mom and it's so not any of those things right um and the two lines that um that she had in the episode really hit me 
obviously the one that she delivers to Kimberly about if you shed half a tear, your boys would have to split it. That was a knife yeah. to the heart. And then um, her line to Jennifer Brown saying that, you know, it shouldn't have been you. You were a terrible mom. Yeah. yeah. Both of those were like, yeah. Because well, you I feel like if I'm a good mom, things are going to work out for me. Yeah. Well, and I think that discussion case, went all yeah. the way back to the earlier episode when Christine, you know, we find out about the pregnancy. Um, and again, the scene with in the bathroom it, it, and all of that going on, because it is, you know, we talked a lot about then about the complexity of wanting to be a mom, because that was my experience. I have a 15 year old son who is 15. Oh my God. He just turned 15. <laughs> anyway. Um, but you know, I'm, I've, had a long time to sit in parenthood and motherhood. And I'm still up in the air about it. Like if you asked me again today to relive that decision of, do I want to have a child? Do I want to have this child? Do I want to be a mother? I don't have a straight and easy answer about that. It is complicated and nuanced and yeah, uh, you know, always. Totally. So, and and, and the, seeing the, that in the show is so. Totally. Great. The writing and the storytelling and I mean, the fucking performances please oh my god up until yeah. this point made those moments as powerful for me as an audience member as they were and so i have to give huge props to all y'all for bringing so much of this discussion of motherhood forward in something that's also fucking nerdy as fuck so <laughs> in the apocalypse in the yeah. apocalypse well, that, that is that is deeply a credit of i mean you know we're we are um Ashley and I are well-oiled machines and we work really, really well when um, the right gas is put in the tank and mm -hmm. that would be these writers and Eli, who I think is incredibly, and as well as all of the other writers who are really not afraid to talk about the gray areas of womanhood in, in many different facets and motherhood being one of them. And part of that is like the burden of having a child um, I mean, I think about that with Nora's character too, of just, you know, wanting your career, wanting to be successful and not wanting to have to deal with something. And then suddenly you're in the afterworld and all you can think about is I'll kill anyone that hurts my child. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that that's, it's a really great piece of what makes this show to me, one of the most profound things I've worked on in 25 years um, because of those explorations and how well they're done and the nuance of it, which is just so, so rare in television and, and a fraction even more rarer in post-apocalyptic shows like this, you know, yeah. big sci-fi shows like this. It's kind of the unique nature of this particular apocalypse. In most stories like this, you don't know who's going to die in the tension up yeah. bringing, you know, leading up to the event. And because we know who, I mean, we're looking at all these male characters and that to me was one of the unique experiences I've watched all I've watched and read a lot of stuff about the apocalypse. I'm a, that's my geekdom in a lot of ways. Um, and knowing who is going to die, it, you know, you talked about not having a, a scene where we see Kimberly, you know, confronting the death of her her kids but we've already done that as an audience for everybody and the moment for me was you know when she's getting ready in the um hotel room or wherever they are 
um, and her kids are running around chaotically and her husband is very helpfully sitting on the couch and <laughs> doing, I don't know what it is he's doing. And just that, that moment's like, oh. Yeah. That first episode was a total shot out of a cannon. Yeah. I was yeah, like, I mean, oh, yeah. Oh boy. Well, that hotel room <laughs> scene too. It's like her life is so full and full of noise yeah. and it's about to get so quiet. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, yeah. Um, I'm sort of the resident comic book mansplainer of the group. Great. Like, Love it. That's like my favorite. We, um, I've been dealing with many of those on Twitter. Oh. <laughs> we should talk about that at some point. Yeah. yeah. My, my role is simply to give context, not to, <laughs> sure, not, sure, sure. Not no, to say, I, you know. I've listened to your, I've listened to you and I enjoy it. You've also like stuck up for me. Hardcore, Justin. Oh, well, look, I'm, you know, in my career, like I'm currently working on the concept of adapting someone's comic book, someone else's comic into an animated show, you know? And I'm thinking about what am I taking? What am I keeping? What thematically works? How can I make this work thematically better? You know, so I, I, I have those thoughts in my head as I watch, you know? And I'm actually, I mean, kind of watching this as kind of a, a class for me in, in, in a very real way in that sense. Um, but like, so, you know, I'm, I'm very aware of where it diverges from the comic and I'm, I'm fascinated right now because, you know, the character alters not in the show yet, you know, if she's going to be at all. Um, and I feel like, you know, because alter was a particular kind of villain and I feel very strongly that because this whole episode, I mean, this whole season thus far has felt like the origin stories of villains. You know what mm. I mean? Like, and I'm I'm watching and I'm feel and I'm like, oh man, like, oh, you know, watching Alter maybe become the role that Alter filled, maybe filled by KCC is really intriguing to me. And now after last night's episode after you know because i thought when when roxanne was first introduced and she shows that she's had a mastectomy and you know and she makes a comment about the amazon i was like oh i was like that's our nod to the amazons okay i get it mm. maybe they decided the daughters of the amazon are a little too corny for the show i get it okay whatever and now and you know i'm like holy crap you know is victoria these two characters now and is this a whole and i'm like so, so the comic book nerd in me, after especially after today, but every I, I keep getting the seatbelt tighter because I keep feeling the ride. I, I feel like okay, I've read Why the Last Man probably five, six times. You know, in its entirety, I Most just reread recently, the whole thing. like like last week. He's on our podcast. He's like, well, I just reread the comic series, and we're like, shut up, just <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm excited about how this show is going to present to me something different than what I got in that, you know, because the comic does feel a little dated. Um, 355 was one of my favorite quote unquote independent comics characters. And I'm so thrilled that I feel like she's not exactly the same person, mm. you know? And because 355 was kind of in, in her way, she was kind of like Captain America or John Carter she changes the world, the world doesn't change her. You know what I mean? 
And that's not what we're getting here. We're getting a more pure character. And I'm, I also don't have a whole lot of questions. I guess this was just my gush moment. No, I, lo- I love this. <laughs> yeah, you know, but I'm like, and Ashley, actually, that makes me want to ask you, where are you from? I'm from New Jersey. Of course you're from New Jersey. I knew it. I'm sorry, because. <laughs> yes. Well, my whole family's from New Jersey. And your and your voice. Uh, my mom grew up in Princeton. My dad grew up in Newark. Oh yeah. And so, just whenever I hear you talk, I feel like I feel like I'm talking to one of my cousins. I feel like I, like, I, I hear that, and it's just so. All right, there you go. Where, where in New Jersey? I'm sorry. Kind of just outside of Newark. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, at, I'm actually at my mom's house. I'm traveling later today back to LA, but I'm at my mom's house in New Jersey, not Good far from Newark. Yeah. Have some pork roll. <laughs> no. <laughs> 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 but to speak to your point, uh, guys, you said something so lovely. Yes, you're thrilled that she's not like she, she's pure, right? It was important to me that we got the feeling that she's never done this before. Mm. You know, she's never done an apocalypse. This is her first rodeo. <laughs> and, um, yes, this is a person that has it all together, but she's she's got holes. She's she's a human being, and. Um, I didn't want to just feel like a weapon. And I think that's what what the writers really got, especially with that dream sequence and the sensitivities that come out in her. And I was so free to bring all that. Mm. Um, the fact that I felt okay to bring all that to Eli and the directors. Was- I wonder, Ashley, if you would talk, I mean, if you feel comfortable talking about um, the experience. You, t- you and I talked about this a little bit about working with Donetta Mm-hmm. who wrote episode four and destiny who directed it which yes. you know both donetta and destiny are black women mm-hmm. and like how, how, what that made because i you know obviously i mean i'm a white woman uh and i didn't you know one of the things about the character in the book that i think could be translated badly is that she just becomes a superhero with no internal life and she's kind of like the straight man And that's like, not that interesting to me, especially because I think she's the protagonist. Um, But, you know, I, I am very, I think the team that put together episode four and the way you talked about working with destiny, I don't know, maybe it meant a lot. It meant a lot. It meant a lot that I could tell it was a very intentional move to have a black woman direct it and to have a black woman write it um, to, stay sensitive and true to the character of this woman because the episode was like a heavy episode for me and um i felt so safe i almost felt you know being a, being a person of color or any minority in majority spaces especially specifically white spaces it could feel like i have to sometimes use this shorthand mm. or um translate things for white voices and we might not have the same language yet and i don't know but we skipped that shorthand when i was knew i was doing donetta's writing and destiny was directing like that conversation we have on the bridge with yorick it felt like i never had to worry about being reduce or my anger as a black woman being reduced to being an angry black woman because I had that, those buffers immediately 
and it, it meant a lot too. It meant like I was being valued um, on another level. And it means a lot to me to have this character, this black female queer character that has so much to her. Uh, mm. Yeah, anyway, so that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, and I we we talked a lot about that bridge scene, um, and like so good, so yeah. fucking good. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's one of my favorite too. moments from the whole show. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I could add so much to it. There's so much I could say that it was just it felt so intuitive. Like I could hear Don Enda's writing as my sister, like a conversation <laughs> I had with my sister one time about some. <laughs> mediocrity bullshit happening in her office <laughs> or something mm -hmm. it's basically every black woman that's ever been angry in a white space at work and she's like yeah. what the hell i anyway it was fun for me it's cathartic yeah. <laughs> and one of the things that's been frustrating me on twitter uh which is like that's a terrible way to set start a sentence because like you don't want to be frustrated like don't go on fucking twitter you idiot but anyway i you know <laughs> well, i've been hearing from you know most of the people that are hearing about this decision that to not move forward at FX have been like, oh my God, no, either like, I love this show so much, or I was waiting to binge it, which I'm, you know, I'm hopeful yeah. that people still will, because I think that will matter deeply. Um, but the other thing that I was hearing from the people who kept saying to me, like, go woke, stay broke, or whatever the <laughs> fuck they were saying to Ugh. me. Uh, which I laugh. I was. I said yesterday I was going to get it tattooed on my neck. But uh, <laughs> so people yeah. would say like, "Well, you made the. You made. You know, it's called Why the Last Man, and you made the the hero. He's like weak or something like that." And I was like, "Well, first Have of you all, read the comic series. God. I'm sorry, read the comic he's, he's he's weak and annoying. That was the other word yeah. that they used a lot. Yes. Yeah. He, he yeah. is. <laughs> he and also. Yeah. He has a lot to learn. But also, by yeah. the way. He's not the hero. She is. Oh, exactly. Five is the hero. And I think people don't have not trained their brains to look for that. Mm -hmm. To like, it's like, oh, there's a white guy on my screen. He's the hero. You know, like mm. fuck that. Like you have a hero you can believe in. She's she's awesome. <laughs> and she's got a lot going on internally, and she's got a lot going on emotionally, and she's also a badass, but she's not just a badass. Um, and you're going to learn a lot more about her and she's going to have romance and she's going to have joy and she's going to have all these other, you know, anyway, it's just frustrating. That part is frustrating yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, it's, and it's like, I mean, just because it's like, I don't know, it, it's, I mean, it's comics, you know, it's coming from a male space generally. Um, I mean, you know, things are things are slowly getting better in the comics field, but it's like, it's, it can be real rough out there. Um, I mean, even like Kelly Sue and I, like the little indie comic that we make is like it, when it gets featured anywhere, it can, it has been known to inspire strong reactions. A lot from of hate in the comments. Oh, I can't wait to read it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is always shocking to us because especially this one particular video that could not be more innocuous. It's it, And they just talk the about us being is, women making comics. And it's like, there's like 275 oh, comments me. under this yeah. YouTube video. It's insane anyway. And um, it's not yeah. like the comic is super spicy. You know what I mean? It's not like it's, it's just has the audacity yeah. to, to be by and yeah. center women. That's all, that's yeah. all it is. It's you all know? it takes, yeah. Totally. So yeah, it's like, 
<laughs> can definitely like relate to the completely ridiculous Twitter hate. And like, by the way, everyone, aren't you tired? Like, don't you? They're not. Like, they don't get tired. <laughs> <laughs> they are on a crusade to save the world from women. Well, and they're all just. <laughs> They're energized by their own bullshit, man. It just makes it stronger. Also, (laughs) all of them are living in their mother's basements. They're not doing anything to make them tired. Do you know what I'm saying? They don't work. (laughs) I love it. I heard someone say one time, time, the only thing that feels better than sex is outrage. Spoken by people who do not have sex. <laughs> well, I, I all I know is that I I respond to like one thing on Instagram or Twitter or something, and my dear friend Amber Tamblin, who has a lot more experience in the public eye, was like, "Do not waste your time with us." And I was like, "Okay, yes, <laughs> thank you, thank you." They just love it. They'll just like scroll through it, and if any, yeah. like my whole life, you know working with time's up and all of the crazy women's movement building stuff we've done in the last several years and like they just love it that's what they want yeah but it is I think it is frustrating and and when I see um it's very clear to me that people who this the smaller margin of people who did not care for this show this adaptation of the graphic novel who kept talking about oh the graphic novel was funnier there was more levity it was lighter um it's like it's just very clear to me that they are they wouldn't they don't have the emotional capacity to understand how to be in a world that um centers women in a way that that isn't a joke and so they so having this as the as the medium and having this as the interpretation and saying these are these stories feel real whereas the comic book felt like fun and crazy and this has that plus the reality Mm -hmm. i think is scares people frankly and I think that's also why it's so great is it just it's it's scary to some and they're like well we we love the idea of a world where women run it but as long as it's like only funny um as long as it's like a running joke in which we are not the butt of it Mm -hmm. and and a lot of this is about power and structures of power and and groups of people who are powerful including some of the types of people we were just talking about who are who are men who are, who have an absence of power and therefore like spend their whole life trying to, um, uh, you know, criticize people who do have it. And so this is also like upsetting to them because it's a projection of their behavior and it's a projection of their failures and it projects back onto them um, a world that excludes their voice, which has already been excluded. Mm-hmm. So it's really like, I, I could talk about this kind of meta shit all day. <laughs> and I love watching it because the people who do get it are huge fan base and the people who love it literally all over the world. Yeah. And they get tagged like in hundreds, thousands between all of the social media platforms I have of people all the time who are like, I've never seen anything like this on TV. It's so badass. It's so different. It's so special. It has so much to say. Mm-hmm. So those people like, yeah, I'm with you. Just keep having your soup in your mom's basement. We'll talk soon. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so true. We're going to take a quick break. We will be right back after this message. Welcome back. Um, let's rejoin the conversation. And I'm curious, like all of this, all of this makes me want to ask this question because the show is 
it's so phenomenal in so many ways. And it, from the representation, I mean, the diversity of characters, um, it, it's, there's, it's everybody, you know, I mean, I don't, I won't say it's everybody because I feel like, you know, well, it's not, still, every, yeah. it's not everybody, but, um, <laughs> There's so much representation. The stories are so rich. The characters are so mind-blowing. And it's also, I'm consistently surprised in every episode, consistently. I never know what's gonna happen. And I have watched every genre show from here to Kingdom Come, right? Like I was expecting like, oh, this is gonna be the part where they do the blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. No. It's actually something even more, it's just deepening everything. So when you were, you were starting with the source material and bringing this into development, um, what was that process like to go from the comic book to the show that we watch? I mean, I read the comic book <clears throat> in uh, 2009 mm -hmm. and loved it. Like I was a huge fan. Um, and then when it became available, you know, in 2000, I don't know, 19 or something. Um, I was like, oh, that, I have to do it. It has to be me. And then my second thought was, I don't know, you know, the second thought I had was, I'm not sure this comic book should be adapted in 2021 because it has this sort of essentialist premise. Mm -hmm. um, even though, you know, Brian and Pia like want, like they're super grateful for and completely behind the kind of gender diversity of what we're doing. Um, and, you know, but I, I, you know, the only criticism that I, that I, you know, I don't receive the guys saying like, go woke, stay broke. That, yeah. That's like, thank you for nothing. Right. Um, I do think that a lot of trans people have concerns about the show mm -hmm. and I, and I share those, um, I share those concerns. I ultimately thought that taking a premise that has this kind of um, idea on its face mm. that sort of presents this idea of like the last man on earth mm -hmm. and then showing that how you can like deconstructing that at every turn was actually a really interesting way to talk about how a like systems of oppression harm everybody, including cis men, you know, and systems of oppression can be enforced by anybody, you know, women uphold patriarchy, white women uphold white supremacy, you know, all of these things. Essentially, my point of view about the show is that anyone can be part of the problem and that anyone can be part of the solution mm -hmm. and that the world actually does need all of us. So, you know, when Dr. Mann gives that speech in episode five about what we've lost, yeah. it, you know, it's deeply, deeply painful and horrible that trans women die in this uh, apocalypse. We have a lot of, I think, really exciting ideas for season two that start to kind of, uh, I, I don't want to like spoil anything, but like that are going to get in there and are going to do cool shit with stories you've read in the comic books, but that we have our own twist on. Um, and, you know, I think part of Dr. Mann's intensity about wanting to bring back the Y chromosome has to do with wanting to bring back trans women. Um, and, you know, that that's a, a grave loss. And it's not something, I think that's also why the beginning of the show isn't as funny as the comic book, because 
it's not funny. I mean, it's, it's horrific. It's sad. Uh, the humor of the story and the characters does enter this story. I think around episode five, there's like humor and it grows. And over the course of the next couple of episodes, there's a lot more of it. Um, but you know, we took it seriously. The thing we're trying to do, uh, in deconstructing this, the essentialism of what, you know, the premise, uh, because, as much as I love the book and it, you know, cause I really do. I love the book and I love the characters and I love the stories and the worlds. And I am excited, Justin, that you are like able to kind of look at it side by side. Because I also think if you like were to, once you get to the end of the season, if you were to rewatch it, I think you'll see a lot, even more stuff that's like from the comic book, because I really, that's all like, we're infusing it all the time with, um, with that. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I hope it will be successful in, in deconstructing that um, because that's the thing that I am most interested in sort of exploring beyond the characters, which is like my first, you know, love. Yeah. I would say um, so far, so good. It's yeah. like, I mean, you're nailing it. Thanks. Everybody, y'all are nailing it. <laughs> Because <laughs> it's like what I mean, what you just described is exactly what I feel watching it like, oh, wow, this is like, it's so timely. And mm -hmm. it's like, I know that the show was in development limbo for like, so many years. Um, and it just it feels like it was all supposed to be so it could be made at this time, mm -hmm. while humanity is dealing with the things it's dealing with now in its history. Um, so and I, and I feel that. And that's why it's like, the show is like really meaningful in these ways and really important. Yeah. I think if there's anything that. about our podcast that is kind of central to everything that we look at, because, you know, we're, we're looking at Hannibal and we've gone through all of the seasons of the expanse and we've read through all of Neil Gaiman's the Sandman, and we will be watching that show when it comes out. It's, it's the idea of, stories being impactful because you can take them from their their origin you know why the last man existed as an initial idea and what was put on the page and it's a it's an impactful story because everybody can look at it and take it and adapt it into something new and for a new time and put ashley in it and amber in it and you have your words tacked on top of it and that it if audiences don't allow that to breathe. And I think that's, you know, Justin's brand of comic mansplaining <laughs> is the, okay, are they, are they doing the right work to let this story breathe and become bigger and better and more meaningful? Um, and that's what we respond to in these yeah. shows that we do on this podcast. That's why we come together for a conversation. We don't do it if that, if that part's not there, I don't think so. No. Yeah, we don't do it because we like each other at all. So. No, we hate each other. <laughs> and yeah. If you've yeah. listened to the podcast, you know that, you know, Emily runs love, deep in this group. I love when you guys fight about stuff. It really is. Oh, the <laughs> testosterone the in our podcast. I loved that. But that was such a great comfort. That was a great, because it was about Jennifer Brown, right? And whether yeah. she's making yeah. a good decision or a bad yeah. decision. Like right. that argument, like both of you were saying true things. They're both yeah. true. Yeah. Like it's, it's, that's mm -hmm. really exciting. And, you know, I think like taking a character who in a comic book, even not, not even just why the last man, but just like in comic books in general and in media in general, like taking a character who is the mom of the 
of the guy and like imbuing her with a real story and giving her, you know, she is a woman who has been, who has wanted to be president her whole life. And she finally gets what she wants in the face of the most like epic tragedy and it's the worst circumstances. And not only that, now, even though she has all this idealism, she now has to be the kind of president who lies about things in order to protect her son. Mm-hmm. Uh, it w- puts her in a really morally gray area. And the people who are opposing her, like Kimberly, aren't wrong when they say that she's making mistakes. So mm-hmm. all of that, it, yeah. but that doesn't mean we don't still root for her or that we don't think that she sure. was in an impossible situation. Like, I think that that's super interesting to me. Well, I, I find that that sort of gray area, a lot of these characters are living, even even 355 blows up a couple good soldiers yeah. just to throw mm-hmm. people off the trail. That's like, that's that's rough. That's like, a, that's a hard <laughs> route to take right away with the hero yeah. of the story. Uh, Ashley, yeah, go ahead. You no, know, I was just, I'm glad you brought that up because I feel like Do you feel that like character it? is almost a testament to... <laughs> If someone's charismatic enough, you're gonna look past that they have a couple <laughs> bodies on their hands. That's absolutely yeah. true. Yeah, that absolutely. is absolutely true. Did absolutely. I mention that we're doing another series on Hannibal? Yeah, <laughs> we're familiar. Yeah, yeah. 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 even when I, I I see how people root for 355, and I see how people really hate York for being annoying, and I think to myself, people, <laughs> it's the apocalypse. He's allowed to be a little annoying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And right. 55 did just you know she's kind of one step above a uh, government hitman and yeah. you know mm-hmm. she's she's not necessarily a good person but we root right. for her because she tries so hard she's trying to be the best person she can be yeah <laughs> and yeah. also she's not that the first two people we see her kill are like white supremacists <laughs> right. in oklahoma right. totally right. And it's like that's that helps but also I think she she's she's not conflicted about killing those people. Yeah, she's, right. she's totally exactly. conflicted oh, yeah. about killing the pilots. The face she's acting, totally conflicted. Exactly. The face oh. acting there, Ashley, when you're flying away from that explosion was oh, remarkable. So good. Um, and also okay. that's the very next episode where she sleepwalks and yeah. almost ends up walking off a cliff. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. she is unmoored by the the decision oh, yeah. she's made. She's also Absolutely. a person who has always taken orders. And in this moment, she's taking matters into her own hands. And she, I think, I think she probably, I mean, you could ask Ashley, but I think she probably justifies to herself that somebody would give her this order. Like that this is something like, what would the culpa ring do? I think they would do this, mm-hmm. but nobody told her to do it. And so that is, I think, part of her story over the course of the first season is like, have I been an agent of good or an agent of evil? And is the thing I've pledged my whole life to actually a force for bad in this world? And like, what does that mean for me? Mm -hmm. Um, Does she have any mechanism for self-assessment at all? I mean, what does she have? She's got Yorick pissing her off all the time oh my gosh i have to tell you there are certain times especially in those early episodes where i was watching the show and i was like this fucking dude and i had to like one more time i'm gonna shoot him myself i know and i'm like magician 
idiot, right? I mean, and I had to pause the show a couple times and be like, I need to just check in with me real quick. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I need to spend some time doing a little digging to see like up for me because my rage is disproportionate. Right. (laughs) But that's another beautiful aspect of the show is that it's like you're you're confronting stuff that's real for you as a result of what these characters are doing and and the choices that they're making and it's like is there any greater experience of of consuming story than that i don't think so i mean and then and then how the show fucks with us by giving us all these these flashbacks about roxanne and you're like oh villainy villainy oh hater and then they land you with the scene in the costco office where you're like i am her I am oh my her. god <laughs> so true. Oh. Oh most god. of us wouldn't like kill a bunch of people no because of that but but yeah so yeah. many i am her moments there's yeah. the, another huge one for me is the i think it's the first or second episode i think it's the second episode where KCC, we saw her in the first episode, like furiously getting ready, you know, the her boys are all around and everything. And she's like deftly zipping up her own everything while the men just sort of sit around and make a mess or whatever. <clears throat> but then in the next episode, oh gosh, I think she's getting ready to go to a memorial or getting ready to like leave the room. And she's like putting this headband on because her hair, she doesn't like, get her hair done. Yeah. How do I yeah. get this? And I was like, oh my gosh, I feel that so intensely. Those feelings of like, I was just moving so quickly. And now I'm just staring at myself in this mirror being like, what's next? Oh, and who so am brilliant. I? Like, there's so much, there's so much like, I mean, with Roxanne, with 355, yeah. with KCC, with like all these characters, it's like, okay, there's, And I mean, honestly, like this is another relatable factor for all of us having just gone through the last year and a half of COVID and like whatever the future holds for all of us out here after this pandemic, that it's like, who am I after this? Mm -hmm. Like, I thought Mm -hmm. I was going along, like doing what I was supposed to be doing and feeling pretty like sure of my direction and knowing like the kind of person that I am. And then it all gets totally thrown away. And what are you supposed to do? Like, mm-hmm. who, who am I? I? And it's like with someone like Roxanne that we saw last night, it's like, I am, I'm going to basically be the person I always wanted to be, but that's yeah. not how it's going to be for everybody. And everyone's going to make missteps. And I don't know. It's all just fucking fascinating. God, it's so Thank good. You. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Don't it's you think people so should good. watch it? Oh my gosh. Definitely watch it. <laughs> yes. Um, Everybody should watch it. Now. I had yeah. that moment which that Kelly C was just talking about when KCC is getting herself ready and the kids are running around and her husband ain't doing shit. And A, I have definitely been that husband. So I kind of related to that. And B, but on it, Justin. I, in that, you know, I've read a few interviews and articles about the show recently. And the thing that kind of jumped out at me was thinking back to that moment was because Eli, you've said multiple, or you've said in, in a lot of these interviews, you know, we were really trying to center the show 
from the to a female's gaze. We were trying to, you know, we were watching things and, you know, really taking a female, a woman's perspective and watching KCC, you know, putting on the girl, the Spanx, the, you know, like this is, this is what a woman really goes through, you know, mm -hmm. motherfuckers, you know what I mean? And I, like, I, I, at that moment, I was like, I remember, cause I hadn't read the articles at that point. I was like, this is a woman's show by women. And I really juxtapose it to the comic because it's unavoidable to feel like that was written by a man. Do you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And I remember at that moment, I was like, ooh, this is going to be really different. Okay. And so that, that changed my perspective of watching the show. Yeah. And then the other moment when that happened was when 355 kills those pilots. Because there's not a moment like that for 355 in the comic, really. You know what I mean? And at, I know I went through a moment, which eventually cleared up, but I went through a moment of like, Oh, they're they're fucking with my character now. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And I, I felt I felt a little I felt possessive of the 355 I knew. And I sort of I, I initially reacted a little badly to it, you know. Um, but I'm also patient and I know that stories have to be allowed to end before they can be judged. So <laughs> that's <laughs> why know? we get together every week to judge it. To judge it. <laughs> I mean, I, I just to speak to like the, you know, I think we talked about this a little bit earlier, but you know, that Spanx moment in the um, pilot is like, was like a really, that's like born from the co collaboration that we created um, on the set. And, you know, I have never worked on a, show that was more collaborative and part of it is that I you know I've worked I I've loved all of the experiences I've had in tv but I've never been the person making the you know making the choices um and I just wanted you know I feel like I wanted the kind of collaborators who would be able to do stuff like that like Amber was like you know, I don't even remember how, like we, I don't know if it was your idea or whatever, but I, you were basically like, give me the Spanx. I'm going to, I like, I think maybe at one point I imagined like they'd already be on and you were like, oh no, oh no, we are putting <laughs> no, them you gotta on. See her, we you are going to, sausages made. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like, you know, that's the kind of thing like at every turn or like the moment in the bathroom with, uh, Christine, mm. it was Amber's idea. Like to have a piece of clothing on her body that she takes off to wipe up her blood. Like that, that you go from like blackmailing her to like, whatever you need, like, let, you know, here's my shawl and like, let me help you, you know? Mm -hmm. And Olga Mill, who's our costume designer, you know, like is just a very good storyteller. Like there's, and you know, every, um, everybody on this show in every department really was like a really beautiful storyteller. And I think on a show like this, where you're trying to get like a breadth of experience, mm -hmm. it can't be like one person's point of view. It really has to be a place where, you know, uh, that scene on the bridge is better because Donata wrote it. Like if I wrote mm. that scene, I could approximate that or whatever. And I, I, I don't, I don't think that people are incapable of writing about people who they, who aren't like them at all. Like I love writing for characters who are different from me, but it is exciting that we had a group of people who really worked well together. I mean, and that is like a really, 
uh, that's a really special part of this show that I think you can see in the final product, but that's and, absolutely, and absolutely. Let me, uh, the, the, I did not know you were a, uh, a playwright mm. before today. Oh, and, yes, I am. Uh, Very I, important. I, I, ran a, <laughs> I ran a theater company for three years and I've been acting in theater since I was like 10. So I now knowing that I like look at the show and I see that. Like I, I see mm. something about in theater as a, as a, as a playwright, I've, I've written some plays too. You, you go through and you give agency to every little character in every little moment in a different way than a lot of TV shows take the time to do. And, and I see that influence of theater throughout the show now. Um, we also, I mean, thank you. And, and, that, I also and that collaborative like, yeah. sort of element too, that, that comes with theater from the way you're talking about it, that feels more theater to me than it does TV. I do um, like a long scene of dialogue too. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, um, absolutely. But I also, we also rehearsed. I mean, like we rehearsed, we uh, kind of workshopped stuff. It was, yeah. Ashley, were you? It was, it was really fascinating too, to see the level of detail that, you know, Eli and also the directors put into it. I remember there was a scene in the fourth episode where two thieves come along, even just the people who come along, they, we always think about who they were before the event happened. And we had it, that the thieves that I have the standoff with, they were teachers, they were school teachers. And it really shows you the gravity of how far these characters can actually come. And those actresses actually brought that. We had, um, we got as specific as when the pilots, the two people who play the pilots, we thought, okay, who did you lose when the event happened? And their performances really elevated the stakes of it all, which was really cool. I think that's so important in, this kind of genre story where you're having to build a world that is very different and needs to be feel very specific and uh, well thought out in order to keep the audience believing yeah i'm in this this is the same world as we go from scene to scene to scene um being able to kind of see things living behind the actor's eyes um is is an important part of that yeah. And, it, and it's, it's I mean, like everyone just seems, I mean, I, I do some of the popsicle social media stuff. And so I'm constantly like looking at everyone's feeds. I follow you all, you know, should live and tweet with us. I know. Yeah, I know. Oh. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like seeing the, um, like as you share like behind the scenes stuff and I mean all of you do it and all of you like you know always make sure to mention the writers and the production designers and like everyone involved because it feels like it feels like this just intensely collaborative and like really beautiful experience that you all have making it mm -hmm. which adds this whole extra level of like enjoying watching the show um so yeah everybody should be following you guys too yeah. <laughs> One of the things we really enjoyed doing was reading Eli's plays. Eli, we mm. we had a whole series of her play readings. To be clear, we, this uh, was not my idea. This was not <laughs> my idea. It was Marin Ireland's idea. It was Marin Ireland's idea and oh. her husband passed us all. We also got we also got this guy to do it. Say hi. Oh, <gasps> what? oh hey, David Cross. Hi, David Cross. Hi, hi David Cross. Uh, <laughs> My, my um, heart just jumped into, into my it. throat there Amazing. for a second because David Cross. Honey, there's some nerds exploding. They're, yeah. they're actually exploding. It's happening. 
<laughs> oh my god! We did. We had David Cross read one of my one of the parts of my play, and it was Ooh, very crap. exciting for me too. Yeah, Amazing. we did a reading series. Yeah, so you could cool. even see like you could even see crossover between the show what the comics gave her mm. and um what she wrote years before she even knew she was going to be a showrunner there's another agent secret agent with just a number <laughs> and you know, oh my I gosh that's right i forgot about that yeah <laughs> it's really cool this is one of those shows like in the modern era of television you have to give shows more than a couple episodes you have yeah. to give them a chance to to you know to start filling in their own space you know and this first season is really shaping up to be a real yeah. killer yeah. and i feel like someone will snap you up i mean we keep we keep comparing it to the expanse i think yeah. was where the first season took a little time show on to, TV, so, to build yeah. and get there you and, can't, but when it you does cannot build like, a genre world you yeah. cannot build a world that's an apocalypse without spending some time in it you can't you just can't do it, it you also can't you know this is a big rich cast of characters mm -hmm. you know old and new and you have to give them time to find themselves and to be you know and you can't do that in, in one or two episodes you know this isn't law and order you know what i mean this isn't you know jump, it jump, is jump, not you know. although oh. roxanne wishes it was yeah. <laughs> that's probably why i made that reference yeah. bingo <laughs> bingo Oh. Also, it, someone needs to give a shout out to Missy Pyle because she is. Oh my is, God. I my gave God. her, I, I made a whole beast. appreciation tweet for her this morning. Her performance. I just. Well, yeah. Emmerin, Ireland in this last episode. Like yeah. it's, mm -hmm. and that's my only complaint. And it's not really a complaint. It's just that like every time I see another character, it's like, I, I want more of that character. I want more yeah. of this, you know, I even want more of Ben Schnetzer because, you know, it, because everybody's great. He's awesome, so right? great. So, I know. Yeah, like, we spend so really much good. time like, like, oh God, why is the worst? But it's like, he's because he's so good. Yeah. yeah he I'm, I'm actually, I'm obsessed with Hero because she's the worst. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like she's the worst. And I'm just like, oh girl, hurt I'm people here for hurt you. people. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's what happens. It's such yeah. a true. It's such a great problem to have in the show that you can't have everybody on the screen all the time being, you know, giving us everything we want and that's really like where we are with the show it's like i just need more it's like yeah it's more... long form storytelling the way a comic book is like yeah. you, that's yeah. how the comic book works like I, you know i i also just feel like the show is so much about identity like you have to see who these people were and how they become something else and i hope what will happen is that then you, when you re-watch the show in its entirety having watched all the seasons and you're like holy shit that's where Nora started or whatever yeah. you know like you're remembering yeah. oh my god like and now look what she is you know I'm so excited thank you guys so much yes thank I you will thank you podcast. thank you thank you for being yes. here and thank you for uh, listening to the podcast that's love really it. yeah absolutely love it. so much um thank you so much to our guests for joining us today um and being part of this amazing conversation that continues to happen between all of us. Um, if you liked this conversation, be sure to like and subscribe to Popsicle on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, or wherever you collect podcasts. Tune in this Friday for our regularly scheduled That Episode Was, featuring discussion of episode eight of Why the Last Man, Ready, Aim, Fire.
We're also currently releasing new episodes of Murder Husbands, our deep dive appreciation of Brian Fuller's Hannibal every Tuesday. Follow Popsicle Pod on all social medias and visit our website, popsiclepod.com, for all the latest news and announcements. That's Popsicle Pod, P O P S K L P O D. This has been a Popsicle Podcast production.